Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Beth Ellis, and I serve as a deacon in our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us bow our heads as we prepare for worship. Open our senses to your direction, amazing God, so we may be alert to opportunities you give us. Fill us with good news to share with those who seek meaning for their lives. We are here because we need the good news ourselves. There is much in life that we do not understand. We seek to know your word and to be led by it. Recall us to the vows of our baptism, reconfirming in us the covenant promises that link us to you and to one another. As we meet you here, our hearts are lifted up in praise. May our worship glorify your name and be pleasing to you. Amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Come, let us worship and bow down in awe of God's steadfast love for us. For God gives ear to our words. He listens to the sound of our cries. Come, let us take refuge in the God of our salvation. For God is our shield, our protection in times of trouble. Come, let us rejoice and sing for joy, for God is surely in this place. Let us worship God.
the psalmist in Psalm 130, verse 7, calls us, saying, Hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is great power to redeem. Trusting that love and power of our God, let us pray our confession together. O God, we have ignored our origin in you and denied your rule over the nations. We have pursued illusions of self-interest rather than abiding in your love. We have turned away from brothers and sisters as if they were enemies to be hated. We are afraid to love those who differ from us or who have the power to harm us. We hesitate to take the risk of caring for fear that we may be hurt. Discipleship seems too demanding. O oh God, release us from our fears and failures to trust your love and live bold with generosity. In Jesus' name, amen. We have prayed and waited upon the mercy of our God. In steadfast love and great power, God has forgiven us from all our sins and iniquities. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. As forgiven children of God, let us affirm our faith together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven and seated on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us now greet one another in Christ's name. Good morning. Good morning. We welcome you on this, the holiest day of the year. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. To all you mothers out there, we are grateful for your presence with us and for the great gifts that you have shared with the world. And we rejoice in days like this when we can celebrate your presence in the world. We are also grateful for uh, your being with us this morning, wherever you have come from, and especially if you are visitors with us today, we are delighted that you're here and hope that you'll have the chance to fill out the friendship pad and pass those toward the neighbors that you uh, have, and we hope that you'll have a chance to put name and face together and, 
and uh, hopefully also carry on a conversation after our service today. We have uh, great opportunities. May is a full month, uh, strangely enough, for Church of the Palms and lots of great things that are coming up that we would love to call your attention to. Our Palms Essential class is coming up on May the 13th. This is a chance to learn about the DNA of uh, Church of the Palms and our mission of equipping disciples for the service of Christ. So we invite you to come and learn about that and how you can participate in that in so many different ways. Uh, next Sunday, we have a congregational meeting right after this service at 10 o'clock where we'll just take a couple minutes to elect some new officers and carry on with the life of our church. So we hope you'll join us for that. Presbyterian women have a wonderful event coming up on May the 23rd, and uh, you can see in uh, your bulletin information about that. So keep that in your uh, thoughts and also family promise comes back to us again the chance for us as a church to house those who are presently homeless over the course of a week and we would love for you to help us out with supplies and with signing up to participate and be a host of these families and we would enjoy uh, to learn about your participation in that so I believe there will be sign ups for you outside underneath the tree. So we're grateful for all these opportunities to be about the service of Christ uh, here in Sarasota, and we hope that you will join with us shoulder to shoulder in that effort. Let's continue our worship.
Let us join our hearts and our minds in prayer together. God of life, God of love, we thank you for this new day, for all of the ways your steadfast love is made known to us, both in the great and in the small ways. We thank you for the blessings we receive from your hand this beautiful day in Southwest Florida. Your blessing of this wonderful church, its spirit and fellowship and care for one another. May we treasure these blessings each hour and each day, and may we find ways to pass them on, encouraging others of your love through a shared smile, a laugh, a helping hand, a hug, or a silent tear of understanding. On this day of celebrating your love, we give you thanks for those who have given us life. Though we may call you father, we do not forget how often mothers embody your steadfast and relentless love. We praise you, O God, for your gift of motherly love, both gentle and fierce, both strong and humble, both kind and true. We take a moment to remember the blessings we receive from those who love but are now gone and those whose presence still blesses our life. We pray for those in our congregation today who mother, whose mothers have died since this time last year and who feel grief on this day. For those who are now in the Lord's presence and whom we still miss dearly, we give you thanks because of your promise that we have communion with your saints. So by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are never fully separated from them. Our prayers go out, especially this morning, to the mothers, grandmothers, great-grandmothers in this room and those watching our service on TV. We are thankful for what they brought to our families. For mothers who work day and night to raise and care for their children, we give you thanks. And we remember those mothers who labor at this task by themselves without help. May we, your church, remember to uphold all of them through our life together as a body of Christ. And for one of our mothers who lost a child just a couple days ago this week and must carry on, we ask for your mercy. May we all sustain her and other mothers in time of need and answer your call to support them in compassion and love. For those women who are new mothers and those who are expecting children but not quite mothers yet, we praise you, Lord, for the joy and anticipation of a new life. Grant that we never forget our duty to uphold these growing families, that in our shared life together we are your hands and feet and words of love and care. We also remember some who wanted to be mothers but could not, for which we pray an extra measure of your grace. We thank you for those who answer the call to nurture and care for others who are not even in their family. Thank you for their love and their compassion. And also, O oh Lord, we stand in solidarity this day with all the mothers around the world <clears throat> whose children have been killed from violence and died of hunger. Every mother who's been the victim of abuse, every woman who stands against a world that massacres her children in the name of war and God and dares to call it collateral damage. We lift you their spirits and ask for an extra strength for them, even though we may never know them personally. Most of all, Lord, we thank you for being like a good mother to us, showering us with love and compassion and forgiveness and encouragement. We ask for your blessings on this day of our worship through Christ our Lord. And we join together in the prayer that you taught all of your children in all times and all places to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now we ask our ushers to come forward to lead us in the giving of our tithes and offerings.
Let us pray. Holy Father, through these offerings, <clears throat> we become partners with you in your mission to reconcile the world to yourself through your Son, Jesus Christ. We join you in your concern for all people and name them as our own brothers and sisters and neighbors. We give these gifts of our material resources to extend your redeeming will into this moment in history and into your world. Thank you for this privilege. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And now we invite the children to come forward for the children's moment with Lori Haas. Thanks, Carolyn. Good morning. How are you? Hello, hello. Wow, what a great day. All of us moms are so happy that our kids are here with us. <laughs> like, woo, nice. Good morning, good morning. So look what I brought with me today. Can you see what this is? Because it's really big. What is this? Oh, wow, I forgot my little microphone. Sophie, what is this? It is a card. What kind of card? Can you tell? Oh, it's a Mother's Day card. Yes, did anybody make Mother's Day cards or presents or anything? I can help you out upstairs a little later if not. So, yeah, okay. <laughs> Got my boys that are going, yes. Okay, so let's take a look at this card. Mom, with lots of love. Oh, this is great. Okay. You've touched lives and warmed hearts in so many special ways. Ah. Uh, and Mother's Day is the perfect time to tell you how much you're loved. Oh, so sweet. You know what moms love to hear? I love you. You know what moms maybe like just a little bit more? When you show us that you love us. So how could you show your mom that you love her? What could you do? What could you do? Make a big card for her. Oh, you could make a big card for her. Absolutely. That's pretty good. What else could you do? Make a present. Oh, make a present. The homemade is the best. I was thinking about our rooms at times, and hmm, what else? Kiss her. Oh, absolutely. Doesn't get much better than that. Give her a hug. Give her a hug. Does anyone listen to their mother when they ask you to do something? Caroline. Give her flowers. <gasps> Give her flowers? Anna. Clean your room. Oh, and you clean your room, and she doesn't even have to ask or threaten. Or if you have brothers and sisters and you're actually kind to them, if you actually do something like the first time that she asks, all those ways show, Mom, that we love her. I have a question. Do you think God likes to hear us say, I love you? Absolutely. He loves to hear us say, I love you. But you know what? I wonder if God might like us to show it a little more than just say it. So Georgia said that she would read a passage from the Bible for us today, and it comes from 1 John. So listen up. Here is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world. He sent him so we could receive life through him. Dear friends, since God loved us this much, we should also love one another. Here's the command God had given us. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Thank you so much. Did, did you hear that? Anyone who loves God, we're saying, I love you, God. You know what we do? We love our brothers and sisters, and not just the brothers and sisters in our family. He means all the people out in our neighborhood, in our schools, in our community, that we show them that we love them. So on this Mother's Day, absolutely tell your mom that you love her. Then, good job, then do things that show her that you love her on this worship day. Tell God that you love him. And then when we leave this place, show him how much you love him by the way you treat others. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, in your house today, we are singing your praises and telling you how much that we love you. As we leave this place, fill us up so that every person that we meet might be able to feel your love through each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
may be seated. We are uh, nearing the end of our great journey through God's story. If you recall, we began back in September in the book of Genesis, and we're making our way through this grand sweep of the story of God through the people of Israel and through the church, and we are grateful to be now in the book of Romans, the letter of Paul to the Romans, to uh, find within this great story of God's unfolding love, the message that comes to us from the Apostle Paul as we wonder about uh, the power of the cross. So with that in mind, let us attend to the word of God, read first from the book of Job, the 38th chapter, and then uh, Romans chapter five. Hear the word of God. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up your loins like a man and I will question you and you shall declare to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determines its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? And who laid its cornerstone? And the morning stars sang together, and all the heavenly beings shouted for joy. Then from Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Paul writes and says, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope and sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die, but God proves his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more surely, having been reconciled, we will be saved by his life. But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ, for we pray this in his name, amen. Each day when I walk into my office and sit down at my desk, I stare across the room and see this painting. Painted by Claude Monet, it is, titled, it is entitled Wild Poppies at Argentile. It is close to being my most favorite painting in all the world, and it's a painting that I'm happy to have greet me in the morning for so many reasons. Impressionism itself captures me like no other school of painting, dabs and colors of, dabs of color meticulously aligned to form an impression of a scene as opposed to the hard lines of realism. Life, I believe, is better lived with soft edges rather than sharp corners. The blue sky and billowy clouds make me think of a bright day. The pastoral scene calms me. The stroll of mothers and their children in the foreground and background slow me. The red poppies remind me of the lilies of the field of which Jesus spoke when he said, they neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. And then perhaps most of all, I love this painting because mother and child remind me of my wife and daughter, the two most important people in my life. Though when I researched the painting, I discovered that this was likely mother and son whom he was painting. But for me, it's wife and daughter. 
Now, this little detail I just mentioned about mother and son or mother and daughter leads me to the point of why I am showing you this painting. When Monet finished this painting sometime in the early 1870s, he did just that. He finished it. He stopped working on it. He framed it in 1874 and exhibited it. He put it on display as one of the inaugural works of the School of Impressionism. It was there now for the art world either to like or to not like, but most certainly not to change. It could end up either on the scrap heap of history or it could end up in the Musée d'Orsay in Paris. Regardless, it was a finished work. If there was a little boy in the foreground, well then that's a little boy in the foreground and it's not given me to change it. It is what it is. This is the amazing thing about art. Once it is finished, it is finished. It's not up for edit. It can most certainly be interpreted and reviewed, but it's not to be changed. Any attempt to improve it or to change it eliminates it. It ceases then to be what it is. It becomes then more about you and less about the creator. Imagine some of the famous paintings of history. Da Vinci's Mona Lisa. Imagine suggesting some changes to improve her smile. Or The Starry Night by Vincent van Gogh, thinking that maybe we should make those stars a little smaller so that they appear more realistic. Or Edvard Munch's The Scream. Was it really? What, who is that really? A person? A ghost? Needs more definition. A Girl with a Pearl Earring by Johannes Vermeer. Any touch up on that that you might suggest? Or American Gothic or Whistler's Mother? What we would we tell Grant Wood and James McNeil Whister, Whistler about their paintings? And then, of course, there's The Last Supper by Da Vinci and the creation of Adam on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel by Michelangelo. So what would we tell Michelangelo if we had some ideas on the improvement of his painting? What if we thought those fingers should be touching? Or that we didn't like the stereotyping of God as an old man? What if we scaled some scaffolding and took our palette and brush and made some revisions? It would be what? To take away the entire thing. If we would ask permission of Michelangelo, what would, we, what would he say? He would say, it is finished. There is nothing more to add to this. It is not yours to change, and it's especially not yours to add to. And I suppose the saying could be said that if you and I look through this painting to the moment it so artfully depicts, which is that moment when we look back in faith to believe that when the earth was without form and void and the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep and God spoke and God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was filled with life and man and woman came into being out of the dust of the earth, we look and we see that picture. Can you imagine how silly it would be for us to say to the divine artist, the creator of the heavens and the earth, say, can I make a few suggestions? Uh, could I just touch this thing up a little bit? Make a few, you know, changes on some of the creatures. Though the Big Bang has done its bang, and though the stars and planets and galaxies have been thrown into the outer limits of the universe, and though God has looked at it all and called it good and taken his rest, would we dare to say that maybe God isn't through? Would we not expect the grand designer to say, it is finished, it has been framed, and it's finished? It's how this whole thing of God works, right? God does God's thing quite without our permission and without any need on our part to put on the finishing touches. God creates, and we are the creation. We don't have to explain it. We don't have to understand it. We don't have to grasp it. We don't have to put our seal of appro approval on it. It is simply to embrace the fact and accept the work as finished. And God saw all that God created, and God said that it was what? That's, boy, you guys need a Bible scholar here. God said it was good. It was good. It was finished. It is framed and on the wall, and it doesn't need to be changed. So when God speaks to Job out of the whirlwind, and Job has wondered out loud of the ways of God, God says, where were you? When I laid the foundations of the earth, tell me if, if you have some understanding of this. Who, who determined its measurements? Surely you must know. 
Who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the heavenly beings shouted for joy? Good question. It is finished, God says, out of the whirlwind. And don't you wonder if that isn't a little bit of what the Apostle Paul is getting at in his great letter to the Romans. For now the subject changes from creation to new creation. And Paul talks about, again, the cross. Because for Paul, this is the picture. This is the painting that God would always draw for us. That while we were yet sinners, at the right time, God died for the ungodly. God proves his love for us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were enemies, Paul says. While we had no interest in what God would have for us, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. So having been reconciled, we will be saved through him. I suppose it's another way of saying what Jesus said on the cross as he breathed his last, as he brushed his last brushstroke, as he placed it all inside the frame, Jesus said, it is finished. Nothing more to add. Reconciliation complete. The work is done. No need to add anything. No touch-ups necessary. No adjustments. No additions. Even while we were enemies, even, Paul says, Christ died for us without our permission and within our, with, without our seal of approval. It was accomplished so as to approve his unconditional love for us. That's the amazing thing, isn't it? This unconditional love. We don't have to get good enough to get it to happen. We don't have to earn frequent flyer points. We don't have to re recite the right incantation. While we were enemies, Christ died for us. Reconciliation through the death of Christ on the cross. It's what moves me about this painting of Salvador Dali's Christ of St. John of the Cross. This, you've seen this before, this crucified Christ hovering over the world, not unlike the Spirit of God hovering over the deep, quite beyond our ability to affect it. Christ dies for the world, the Lamb of God slain for the sins of the world. Even those fishermen down there at the bottom of the painting are not quite even aware, perhaps, that Christ has died for him, that Christ has died for you, for me, the Lamb of God slain for the sins of the world world finished and done nothing more necessary to complete the picture what a shame if we should think the need to add anything to this except of course to boast in our hope that's what Paul says, boast in your hope, that we get to be the hopeful people because we know that now that life really has meaning, that as sure as the stars and the planets and the sea and the land and the sun and the moon and the man and the woman came from this hovering spirit of God, as sure as we are now that the new creation comes from this sun who hovers over the face of the deep, the reconciling act of God of, for the world, that then we know life has meaning, that there is now a beginning and an end, that we can hope that that whatever should come our way, it all now rests inside this framework of God who loves us enough that though we were even enemies, Christ died for us. Life has now this meaning. God pours his love into us even in our suffering because suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope because we know that this loving God is pouring his love into us and through us to the world. It's like that story I'm sure I've told you before the mother who had four sons and someone asked her which of the four sons she loved the most. She said, I love them all the same. The friend said, well, come on, now you, you have to love one of them the most. No, said the mother, I, I, I love them all the same. Oh, come on, now really. You gotta, you gotta love one more than the other. No, 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 she said. And then after pausing, pausing for a moment, she said, you know, to be honest, there is one I love the most the one I love the most is the one who's in the most trouble. And don't you wonder about that when in places like Baltimore and Nepal and Syria and Iraq, places where love and reconciliation are so badly needed and maybe not even so far away, even in our own town and our own families, all those places where enemies push back against the reconciling love of God, we get to be the people of hope 
We get to be the people that know that God who created it good without our say, but also recreated it and reconciled it all to himself. We are the ambassadors of good news. We get to be the ones to announce the new reality that the work is done. The painter is finished. Like that mother's love, there is nothing we can do to change it. For perhaps it is the, it is the greatest, it is greatest for those who are in the most trouble. It's what Peter Greaves struggled to say in the last pages of his autobiography called The Second Miracle, wherein he tells the story of his early life and contracting leprosy in India. And for years he was left to suffer on his own until by a certain grace he was delivered to England and into the care of a community of Anglican sisters whose mission it was to care exclusively for lepers, people for who, who had a disease that had no known, known cure. And at the risk of their own infection, the sisters cared for these women and men that came to them humbly and quietly. They fed them and bandaged them and comforted them. Grieve arrived to the community a bitter man, resentful, resentful over his position in life, and it was this bitterness that he had only to give back to those who tried to serve him. It took years for him to see something, however, that had been staring him straight in the face. He could not see this compelling force. He could not see this compelling spirit, this compelling love that approached him every day in those humble sisters until finally one day he found his way far off the beaten trail to a little chapel that he had never seen before, a little chapel, and as he approached the chapel, he heard singing. It sounded like the singing of angels. It was the singing of the sisters, the suffering servants. And he slipped his way into the back of the chapel and there they were worshiping the creator and the reconciler. And on the wall, he saw a list of names, those for whom they were praying. And on the list was his name, his name. They were praying for him they had always been praying for him. They had always been serving him. They had always been bandaging his wounds while he was so bitter, while he was yet a sinner, while he was yet an enemy, while he was yet a bitter man, Christ had already died. The work was finished and all that was left to do was accept it. Accepting acceptance is what Paul Tillich called it. Is it time for you again or for the first time to accept the acceptance? The painting is done. It is framed. It's on the wall. There's nothing you can do to change it. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He has loved us. He has forgiven us. He has accepted us. Nothing left for us to do but to behold.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.